Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. As a CFP and RFC, George McReynolds' mission is to help people create compelling dreams for their future, the plans to attain them, and the time to enjoy them. This is the Prosper Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome into this edition of the Prosper Podcast with George McReynolds and myself as we talk investing, finance, and retirement. And this go around on the show, we're going to talk alternative investments. Ignore them, jump on them. What are they? So we're going to break down a few different categories with George as we usually do. And if you need some help or you have some questions along the way, reach out to him before you take any action. You should always check with a qualified professional before you do so on anything you hear on this show or any other as it relates to finance. 215-699-1050. Check how it's going to affect your specific situation. 215-699-1050. Or check George out at his website, mcwealth.com. That's mcwealth.com. What's going on, buddy? How you doing this week? I'm doing great here. Still uh, still looking at the snow out the window here, but I'm <laughs> done shoveling. So let's talk about alternative investments. So there's a couple on my list here, George, that probably don't sound that alternative, but a few that do. So what's a couple things we might want to know about alternative investments as opposed to a conventional? Well, uh, they can help with diversification to okay. a certain extent. In many states, though, there are limits to how much a person can buy, at least through a uh, financial advisor. Okay. And they're right when you get negative correlation. That means when the market's price goes down, these go up and, and balance that out. Okay. So that, that's what I mean by diversification. But it can also lead to worsification, <laughs> where people overconcentrate in them. And in, in many cases, you must be an accredited investor, which means you got to be worth a couple million dollars and make it a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in order to get into some of these. A couple of years ago, we had a, um, a fund of hedge funds and a fund of alternatives, and they absolutely went nowhere. They were so diversified that when one was going up, the other was going down, and they, they did nothing for two years. Hmm. Uh, so they didn't really help us because they were – uh, they were uh, negatively correlated with each other, but uh, they, they can help to a certain extent. Almost always they're limited to 20% and uh, possibly around 5 to 10% could, could be a nice addition to a portfolio as long as it's liquid, as long as you can convert it to cash. Now, are there, are there liquidity concerns with different kinds of alternative investments? We hear that from time to time. Uh, and also, just as, do we assume that there's more risk typically with traditional versus traditional than this? Yes, there's more risk. There's less information that's available with them. Okay. And that's why they tend to be illiquid. But also a part of it is how well, how you own it. So for instance, gold is an alternative investment. Okay. And if you want physical gold, you've got the risks of getting it stolen. Uh, you've also got uh, the fact that when it comes time to sell, you've got to go down to the we buy gold coins place and, <laughs> uh, and sell it. And you right. don't know what their, what their mood is. So if they're flush with lots of gold, they may give you nothing. So that may not be a good idea. Uh, another issue with gold is its taxability. You don't get capital gains uh, treatment when you get gold. It's a 25% flat capital gains rate. Mm, okay. Now, you can buy uh, exchange-traded funds or mutual funds that invest in gold, and that means they're, they're liquid, that there's a, a regular market uh, to them. But again, the same tax issues apply. If you buy the exchange-traded fund, you got the 25% capital gains rate, but with a mutual fund, 
then you would get regular uh, capital gains discounts. I got you. Okay. Well, since you touched on gold, it was on my list. We'll move on to the next uh, portion of the list. So let's talk about cryptocurrencies, George, because obviously that is really one of these alternative investments that's pretty high up on the radar for a lot of people. I think BlackRock just added it to part of their mutual fund. Uh, A couple of mutual funds, they're offering Bitcoin in there as well. So it's getting a lot more traction, obviously. It's getting a lot of attention. I don't want to say attraction, but it is getting a lot more attention. I understand some of the reasons that it exists, but limitations are going to have to be developed through countries that that allow the trading of it or the ownership of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But my biggest thing is the whales. And what I mean is whales is there's a few owners, a few individual or entities that owns huge amounts of it. 2% of anonymous uh, owners own or control 95% of it. Oh, wow. And when they hit the door, when they're when it's time for them to get out and move on to some other fad, they're not going to telegraph anyone. They're not going to be on CNBC uh, talking to Jimmy Kramer, say, okay, tomorrow we're going to get rid of our Bitcoin. And it's subject to uh, to all kinds of incredible speculation, just like we saw with GameStop. And uh, so it's, I definitely won't go near it for myself or for my clients. And I try to talk people out of it. And if, several times I've posted stories on, uh, on social media about the whales. And when they decide to go, the, the price will collapse and people will get hurt. Well, you know, and hardly anybody can seem to explain what it is like and, and how they're going to how it's going to work. It seems as though it, it gets talked around in circles. And so it's very tough to make heads or tails of it. Yeah, it makes me think of the story of the, the king's new clothes. Only cool people can see it. <laughs> and I, I can't see a lot of use for it other than for paying ransoms for ransomware. Kind of this anonymous thing that you know doesn't have to be converted to cash. And yeah, uh, and that's it, a real it's thing. It's definitely yeah. not liquid. It's not marketable, or it is marketable, but it's just not liquid. It can't be converted to cash easily unless there, there's major price concessions. Yeah, and that's one of the challenges for sure coming up. All right. Uh, real estate's on my list, and that might strike somebody as odd saying, well, that's not really alternative. That seems pretty conventional. Why might that be on here? What's some things to think about? Well, there's like gold, there are several different ways you can own real estate. You could buy a duplex in the city, manage it, take the rents, uh, or you can get a REIT, a real estate investment trust, and that's where professional managers run it, and then you get what's left over uh, from the rents after they're done. Uh, one of the attractions is the yield, the, the actual money that you get on a regular basis uh, is substantially higher than the 1% you can get in a 10-year treasury. Even junk bonds are down to 4% right now. So it, it's good in a low interest rate environment, but there's a lot of complexity to it, especially now with the pandemic, because it's affecting uh, retail space, it's affecting apartments, uh, commercial a lot of real estate's been affected by it. And they're seeing, in a lot of cases, they're seeing 30 to 40% vacancies because of the pandemic. And some people say the uh, the future of Manhattan as an office complex is is very, very limited. It's uh, people aren't are not going back into into the cities to work when they can do it from home or they can even do it from Bermuda. Yeah, that's that's very true as well. And with REITs, George, there's public and privately traded ones, correct? And you want to make sure you understand the differences in, in anything like that before you jump into something. Absolutely. Okay. Commodities. Uh, again, not really that alternative, you know, oil, grain, so on and so forth. Uh, what's there to know about investing in commodities? Well, commodities, uh, they are generally in the futures market where, let's say, uh, I'm uh, I'm a farmer and I've got a, a field full of tomatoes, 
and it's going to take a few months. I don't know what the price is going to be. So I'm putting out this investment now. And then when it comes time to market, I don't know if I'm going to get my money back. In the meantime, you got Campbell's Soup, and they're trying to plan how much soup they're going to sell in the winter. And they don't know what they're going to have to pay, so they can't do their marketing campaign. So they both go into the futures market where the farmer who is long, which means he owns tomatoes in the field, he's long in the field, he goes short, he sells the future uh, to Campbell Soup. Who, Campbell Soup is short tomatoes and they go, they go long in the market. So that it kind of balances the two of them out where they have their needs and they hedge it. Now, then their speculators get involved and they, they change the price all over the place based on guesses, just like we saw in trading places. And uh, yeah, you know, we talked about that last future. episode. So, yeah, uh, that's that's that as confusing, as chaotic as that is. That's what, again, the futures market is. And that's primarily what the commodities market is. Although there are some things like oil, natural gas, where you can invest in uh, in companies that are affected by it. And you can also buy in, uh, for instance, exchange-traded funds or mutual funds that invest in it. Uh, so I, I like holding oil to a certain extent or energy stocks in a portfolio when, because it's kind of a hedge for, for the dollar. In, in 71, Nixon took us off of the gold standard, but Henry Kissinger had negotiated a deal with the Saudis that we would basically be their Department of Defense as long as oil was always priced in dollars. So we went from gold back to oil back or petrodollars. And as we saw in uh, 2007, 2006, uh, the Treasury was trying to keep the price of, of our exports down by lowering the dollar. Uh, against the Chinese. But every time the dollar went down, oil prices went up to compensate. So the rest of the world didn't see that going on because it was priced in dollars. But we saw it and it brought us to the brink of recession in the summer of 2008 when it hit $146 a barrel. Yeah, And uh, so oil, in my opinion, could be a great hedge for the dollar. So if you're thinking of hedging the dollar, you can go into international stocks, but that adds a whole bunch of, of other risks, whether it's emerging markets or developed. There's the currency risk, but there's also the political risk that's involved in well. And so oil or energy can be used as a, as a hedge uh, against a falling dollar. Okay. Uh, a lot of good information here today on the podcast. We're going through this. Great thing about podcast, folks, is you can listen to it again if it's a little too much content. You want to be able to, to absorb it better. So if you have not subscribed to us, make sure you do so by simply uh, hitting the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using. If you're an Apple user, for example, uh, Apple Podcasts is usually, is pretty. I'm pretty sure it's pre-installed on your phone already, and you can just open that up, type in the Prosper Podcast, hit the little heart button, and you are subscribed. Same thing with Google. Google Podcasts is already on Android phones, and you can find all of that at prosperpodcast.com. I got a couple more here, George, I want to go through, but uh, what is SPACs? I've been hearing a lot of talk about this as well. So can you tell us what that is? Well, a SPAC is a special purpose acquisition company. It's basically a company or investment built to specifically acquire other companies. We feel it's like the Wild West, that that the disclosure isn't what it should be uh, compared to the other open markets. So we don't go near it. I don't think that would uh, fit under my fiduciary obligations. To okay. Clients. All right. Oh, and that's always a good piece to know, too. Again, when working with an advisor who is a fiduciary, uh, they are going to do what is in your best interest first. And when it comes to a lot of these different types of, uh, types of topics, private debt or direct lending, George, what I'm hearing a little bit of buzz on this as well. What is this all about? 
Well, when you give a loan to someone, if you think, you know, a relative or a friend, I never have the expectation that I'll get paid back. <laughs> uh, right. And you can get a really high rate of return if they pay it back. But again, you don't have the disclosure. You don't have the rating companies uh, that are getting into it, the, uh, the bond insurance companies. It's very, very illiquid. It's, if you go to sell it, it's out of distress. There's varying levels of risk and return. There are ways to get in it uh, through what's called bank loans, where a bank uh, goes out and lends to the same kinds of companies and then uh, the interest rate changes like every every quarter. So it can move with inflation. If inflation heats up, then uh, that can go up very quickly. But at the same time, these are generally not as credit worthy as uh, companies that can issue their own bonds. Gotcha. So you're basically lending money to a private company uh, in that sense, personal money. Okay. Any Any others that I didn't have on my list, George, that you want to talk about? Or did we do a good oh. job? If you want to know more about unusual alternatives, you got to listen to Jimmy Rogers or, or get one of his books because he's always talking about things like tea and weed and uh, all kinds of crazy things. And he was a uh, former uh, partner with uh, George Soros. As a brilliant man, I love his take on things, but he talks about things that most of us can't even touch. Uh, but if you, if you have that interest, then... Uh, then get one of Jimmy Rogers' books. Okay. Uh, and then we're going to finish off this podcast this week, George, with a little news headline. Uh, I mentioned BlackRock earlier, so let me circle back around to that. Not only did they add Bitcoin uh, in their, uh, into some of their two of their mutual funds, but the CEO, Larry Fink, says that he foresees the stock market rising through 2021, although not as much as it did on the second half of 2020. Uh, agree with Larry? Disagree with Larry? What's your thoughts? Well, Larry Fink is one of the people that I really do follow. He's a he's a, just a brilliant financial manager up there with, uh, with Jamie Dimon and uh, Ray uh, Dalio. And uh, I, I pay attention when he says stuff. Uh, I tend to agree with him, except that it all depends on the pandemic. It all depends on COVID-19 and whether it goes away or gets under control. That There's a lot of pent-up demand that's been delayed because of the pandemic. And when we get this done, then people are going to want to take a cruise. They're going to want to go out and do things. They're, they're going to want to buy different, different things. There's a whole big bolus of, of economy that, that's backed up right now. We're also in this cycle uh, of demographics where we have a lot of 50-year-olds uh, based on the birth rate in the 70s, and, and it's kind of coming to a peak. And it's been, it's been hampered by the pandemic, but that's going to come into the market like a tailwind as soon as we get COVID under control. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of those pieces, just like anything, you got half the prognosticators, half the opinionators, uh, you know, basically just saying one way it, it's going to be, it's going to crash. The other half say it's going to be great. It's one of those things you just never know what's going to happen. Nobody has that proverbial crystal ball. So do yourself a favor and make sure that you have a plan and a strategy in place, uh, no matter what comes down the pike. And if you've got some questions or concerns, you want to reach out to George, get on the calendar, 215-699-1050, have a conversation, virtual meeting, whatever the case is, uh, before you take any action. Again, as I mentioned earlier, you can check him out at his main website at mcwealth.com. That's mcwealth.com. Or you can subscribe to the podcast and learn more at prosperpodcast.com, prosperpodcast.com. George, my friend, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Uh, you have yourself a great week, and I will talk to you in March. Thanks, Mark. Always a pleasure. Exactly. I appreciate your time, and we'll see you next time, folks, here on the Prosper Podcast with George McReynolds, Wealth Manager and Chief Tax Strategist at Protective Wealthcare. Care.
Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Registered Principal. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer. Member Finra Sipic. Cambridge and Protective Wealthcare are not affiliated. Advanced level tax planning, income tax preparation, life coaching and time management consulting services, and fixed insurance products and services are separate and unrelated to Cambridge. Cambridge does not offer tax advice.